Hey, have you ever thought about going someplace completely different, out of your daily routine, maybe a little bit even off the grid? Well, today's episode is for you. It's an episode of discovery and an episode of finding out how to blend in with the locals, stay with local host families. This type of escape is a running adventure. So it's not about sitting on a beach, not about hearing tour guides blaring on big buses, but definitely some local guides and definitely learning a lot as you go. So if this is your type of thing, then let's get started. That's right, running expeditions might just be for you. And we're very honored to have with us one of the team leaders, one of the group leaders for these running expeditions going all over the world, but today is featuring Morocco as well as Ireland and Patagonia. You can go to their website to learn more about all the other programs they offer and just to hear about the world of running expeditions, how it's fueled when it's really locally oriented and catering to contributing to the local economy. So here we go with our guest. And welcome to the podcast. Uh, We're happy to, we're really happy to have you here with us, uh, Sean Meehan. And Sean is joining us from Ireland today. Uh, where he guides, among other places, uh, with Rogue Expedition. And this is a startup, a small startup group, and Sean's going to tell us a lot more about it. But I, I just really wanted to have everyone get a taste of what it's like to be running expeditions and what it's like for a small running outfit to, to get people out there and what's involved with it, as well as the experiences that are possible. And I thought this would be a, this would be a wonderful opportunity to do that. Sean has led um, many, many groups with Rogue Expeditions to Patagonia, to Morocco, to his home country in Ireland, as well as before that, organizing over 100 events in 25 countries from ultra marathons to obstacle course running. So he's definitely a good go-to person in this area. And we're, again, we're very grateful to have you. Pleasure to be with you, Mark. Looking forward to getting into it. Cool. So um, kind of before we dive into what Rogue Expeditions does, maybe you could tell us, um, you know, your running origins, how they got started and why you're called to, to do what you do. Sure. Um, well, I probably came to running a little later in life, to be honest. Um, sort of in my teenage years uh, growing up, I had a country childhood and I'm very active and outdoorsy, but not really into running per se. Uh, our national sport here in Ireland is Gaelic football and I sort of committed myself to that at the expense of everything else up until the age of 22 or 23. And even though that involves a lot of running, uh, it's on a pitch and the thought of sort of running on trails or road didn't really become an idea until much later. Um, and I went backpacking and uh, sort of took a classic gap year from, from work after college and, and went to Central America and South America. And it was in that year that I kind of discovered trail running as a thing um, and it evolved pretty naturally just from from hiking and I, I had started to work as a tour guide actually in Nicaragua 
and uh, hiking up and down volcanoes every day became running up and down volcanoes every day and, and sort of it, it took root as an idea as a, as a means for exploration more than anything else and even today I'm, I'm somewhat reluctant to put myself as a, the tag of a runner and not very competitive and don't really focus on how many miles I run every week but I, I do enjoy getting out in nature and sort of using it as a way to explore. Right on. Well, that that fits perfectly with our with our podcast and our mantra here at uh, Running Anthropologists. So I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head that, um, you know, as as runners, we're explorers first and foremost, and then those who compete also enjoy that. But um, they're exploring themselves in a way, <laughs> you know, kind of trying to push themselves and see what uh, what their boundaries and their edges are. And I know that, um, you know, that you all at, at Rogue Expeditions, you do a lot of cultural, um, uh, cultural contact and interaction with the communities that you're a part of. Um, could you tell us kind of what drew you to, to this organization and kind of what keeps you, keeps you going with them? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, it was pretty fortuitous meet up in the beginning. I, I was, you, know, you mentioned in the beginning that my background was more in event management and uh, that was how we I came to know Rogue Expeditions. Uh, I had been organizing an event um, with a couple of friends in, in Nicaragua, and, and one of the friends was based in Austin, Texas, and, and got sort of introduced by friends of friends to Rogue Expeditions, who were a startup at that time in, in Austin, Texas. And being both in the in the sort of running world in one way and another, we, we sort of initially got together and did a, a joint project, which was one of our tours called Endurance Adventure Morocco. Uh, we did the first edition of that in 2016, and it, it drew on elements of what I had already been doing in the ultramarathon world and, and and what Rogue were already doing, which was sort of more catered week-long running tours. Um, and it just seemed a cool concept to us, a cool space. And, and, you know, a week to 10 days is a really cool amount of time to bring people on a trip. It can be very transformative, and, and you can pack a lot in a lot of information. And, and besides just running every day, your, your eyes and your ears are open, and, and you're you know kind of teaching in, in some way or showing people you know a country and a culture and and in some ways you can do that with races you know people travel to races and maybe in, in a weekend you can capture you know the the idea of a place or even in a long race like a hundred miler people can do those and they're transformative but but having people for a week or 10 days on, on an expedition style thing is, is really powerful it can people can take a lot away from it such a great yeah such a great concept i you know watching some of your videos and uh talking uh with people that have been involved you almost get the sense that there's uh as you said transformative there's a spiritual aspect to the um to the nature of these expeditions almost like a pilgrimage um which we've talked about in in previous episodes what um what what kind of transformations have you seen you know i I don't know if you can come think of an example um in some of your highlighted runs or itineraries that you do um, that you've really thought, wow, this was really transformative for people, and, and why why do you think that is? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we kind of joke about it when we're on the tours because we don't want to be too, you know, ramming it down people's necks like we're, we're some sort of transformative organization that, that don't want to come across like that. But, you know, just naturally, I think, taking people out of their habitual lives and, and you know, whatever busy sort of jobs they have and, and, you know, their usual patterns of their life, just ripping them out of that and taking them away to another country for a week or 10 days just opens people up to different stuff. And, and it could be the people along with them, you know, the, the other people that they didn't know before that they borrow from and learn from along the way. It can be the country, it can be the tour guides and a combination of all the things. And, 
know, especially somewhere like Morocco, which I know you're interested to talk about, you know, that's a country that's probably vastly different from the average life of a North American, let's say, which is where m most of our clients still come from, hmm. either the US or Canada. Um, and it's a great chance just to show them something different and, and they'll reflect on their own lives and probably bring back a few little learnings. I mean, we're not piecemealing this, you know, but each, each person goes to, and takes out from, takes from it what they will, you know, mm -hmm. and, and if you're open to it, um, I think over the course of, of, of a trip, you can definitely come back with some, some learnings. Excellent. Well, since you mentioned Morocco, perhaps we could start there. Um, what is it, what is an itinerary or a typical day or a typical, you know, day and, and then week look like for a, for a person who takes part on um, on a running expedition like this, sure. Um, well, Morocco is kind of the birthplace of rogue expeditions. Actually, Gabe and Allison, who founded the company, went on a trip to Morocco. Um, I think it's eight years ago now. Just on a personal trip to travel around, running was not on their mind, um, and little did they know that they'd be going back, you know, twice a year, every year since. And whilst they were there, they met a guy. Hamid, who is our local partner over there, who's just really been a cornerstone to everything that's happened since. Um, and it's through him that we've sort of got all the local knowledge and the places to stay and, and, and run and so on. But So we start by arriving in Marrakesh. All of our tours go in and out of there, and it's kind of a shock to the system when you arrive to Marrakesh. It's noisy, and there's smells and colors and markets and, and the souks, and it's kind of crazy, but we kind of whisk people through that. They're usually jet-lagged and exhausted and just try to get hydrated and rested and are not really in the running mind frame but um each day then following on from that we kind of ease people into it until they get up to the the speed of it um you know the runs are we, we cater for all levels so there's you can run as little or as long as you want each day and as fast or as slow as you want um which gives people a, a chance to sort of find their legs as they get into it and we try to show you know there's a couple of different itineraries but we try to show different areas of the, of the country. Morocco is geographically pretty diverse. So we start, you know, there's the Atlas Mountains just south of, of Morocco, which rise up to over 13,000 feet. They're snow capped a lot of the time. People don't, that surprises people about Morocco. They're expecting mm. to be in desert sand straight away, but it's incredibly diverse. And, you know, north of that, you've got rich, green, fertile agriculture land and, and olive trees and um, all sorts of produce there. Once you get south of the mountains, you're into the Morocco uh, desert into the high desert and uh, still on, on the edge of the Sahara. And then we get right down into the Sahara, into the dunes. And um, there's also the whole region on the, on the West coast, on the Atlantic seaboard where you've got beautiful sandy beaches and palmeries and more a chilled vibe. So with our itineraries, we try to take people on a bit of a journey through the country um, see different areas, see how it changes from one place to another, see the reliance on water. Water is pretty central. I mean, the story of, the Sahara and the desert and, and the tribes that have lived there for a long time and their reliance on understanding the rainfall and so on and, and some of the problems they've had there over recent decades with the, with the climate change and so on. So there's there's a lot to, to pack into Morocco as a country. It's it's still our original tour, um, still one of our favorites. We, we go there four or five times a year with groups and, and just from the food to the warmth of the local people to the, the history, the landscape, there's, there's a lot packed into it uh, as a country. Uh, what a what a beautiful uh, you know what a beautiful experience for people, um, particularly those of us who perhaps haven't experienced some of some of that warmth, some of the you know the Muslim culture, the Arabic culture, that um, you know that pervades the community, and as as you mentioned, how old that is, and experiencing some of both the history 
and and the culture that's very diverse across those different geographic areas. That's uh, that's really cool. I, I have been to Morocco a few times, but certainly haven't experienced the diversity um, of all of the running places that you could run. Um, I, I know that one of the rogue expedition philosophy is that you're really taking time to engage with local people. Um, do you typically stay in like um, uh, uh, a pension type situation or stay in people's houses? How, how does that work? Yeah, so the standard accommodation in, in Morocco is known as a riad, uh, which I think it, it closely ties to more like a bed and breakfast scenario. They're usually family owned guest houses. Traditionally, they were at least and you know, the family will still live in the house, but they'll have guest rooms. Um, mm-hmm. Now they get you know, you can get the high-end fancy ones in Marrakesh, but once you get out into the countryside, these tend to be pretty traditionally run. They're serving traditional food. They're traditionally decorated. Um, and, and sort of even the architecture, they have the central courtyards with usually a fountain in the middle, nice and cool to escape the heat of the day and, and nice roof terraces. So they're, they tend to be very similar. So as a general philosophy, yeah, we, we try to work with all locally owned places and try to avoid any foreign-owned places. And we're definitely not staying in any hotel brands or anything like that. And we we rely heavily, I mean, although we are coming over as Western guides, we're relying heavily on local guides. So we have, we have a, a driver team and a local cook team who will prepare lunches and meals. And, and really the interaction of our of our clients with them is, is every bit as important, if not more important than, you know, what we do as the Rogue Expedition Guides. We're really more there as facilitators, make sure everything goes smooth, make sure people run the right direction and... <laughs> And get get safely home and, and have all their their needs taken care of. But in terms of interpreting the country, we, we definitely lean on on the local Moroccan team who do a, a great job at that. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. When um you know when you kind of I, I don't want to jump uh, gears too quickly here, but if if you compare that to that experience to for example uh, Patagonia, where I know that you guys also have a long-standing um, running expedition there. Is, is it a similar experience or is there less human contact being that Patagonia in many places is quite isolated and uh, very much just, you know, mountains or just uh, ice caps, uh, that, those kind of things. Does it, does it feel like a much different um, interaction with the local communities there? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the highlights of many people that they take away from Morocco is many of our runs will run through small villages and, and local kids love coming out for high fives or trying to get candy. And they, they've seen it all before. Now they, they know what's coming when trail runners come along. <laughs> and they, they might have uh, cliff bars. Um, but, you know, that little interaction and you'll have a gaggle of maybe 20 kids trailing along behind you on the trail with, you know, cruising along pretty quickly and, and beat up flip flops. <laughs> that can be one of the lasting memories for some of the clients, you know, besides, you know, the, maybe the highlights in, in, in Morocco. Whereas in, in Patagonia, I think by contrast, it's usually your more powerful moments are you alone on the trail, looking at a glacier or a mountain or, you know, raw nature. And it's sort of you alone with, with you know, with, with the wilderness. Um, whereas probably, yeah, the human contact element is, is more applicable in Morocco. And I think people come away you know, really taking a lot from the conversations they have with our Moroccan drivers that are driving them around with the people that are you know, serving you dinner and cooking you dinner, the people that they're staying with. They probably, there's a lot more opportunity for that in Morocco, maybe that in Patagonia. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in Patagonia, there's there's sort of a kindred adventure class living and, and operating down in Patagonia. It is sort of the quintessential 
one of the adventure capitals of the world for you know rock climbing, kayaking, trail running. You have it. So you do rub shoulders with some other groups and some other people down there as well, but in a different sense, I think. Yeah, yeah. My my impression. You mentioned global warming and you know that impact and learning in Morocco. I'm I'm sure that that also you know the scientific inquiry and the sustainability. Um, you know, type learning that happens in Patagonia is is also, you know, quite unique and also impactful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with our Patagonia trip, we actually kind of ironically for a running trip started with two days on a boat with no running whatsoever <laughs> and go out into the archipelago just south of the, of the mainland of South America and, and get to see, you know, real sanctuaries, uh, you know, where it's, it's been protected. There's great conservation work going on. But there's a backdrop against it all where, you know, we sometimes literally see massive calvings off glaciers and there's no more poignant moment to reflect upon the climate that we're living in than when you see a, like a huge, just a massive tons falling off a glacier in, in, in Patagonia. So if that doesn't drive something home to people, nothing will. Of course, glaciers calve forever, but the, it's the rate of calving that's, um, you know, much, much quicker and even one of the elements of the tour that we do in Patagonia is with most groups, we try to do ice trekking on an active glacier um, in the Torres del Paño National Park. Okay. And that's a pretty amazing thing to do. We take a little boat, Zodiac boat out to the face of, an, of a, a glacier, hike up on top and you're, you can walk around the crevasses and pretty surreal, amazing thing to do. But it's probably only got another year or two in it, that activity. It looks like time is almost coming where it's too unstable it's too volatile and the glaciers are retreating too quickly that they're not going to be able to offer that to, to tourists there anymore so that's that mm. sort of drives it home that even in the span of five six years that rogue expeditions have been visiting there things are changing that quickly you know yeah that's that's really unfortunate i'm sorry to hear that but um i'm certainly yeah. happy to hear that you know that participants are experiencing and, and learning and knowing about that and as as you say Really, you can learn about things all that you want or see them on the telly or, you know, hear them on the radio. But when you're there and when you're experiencing and meeting with people that are doing the, the research and guides that are telling you how things have changed in their lifetime, then that's that's totally different, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, travel does it by itself, right? I mean, even people who go solo backpacking or whatever, just traveling the world opens you up to new ideas and you see things and you learn. And I think with something like rogue expeditions all we're trying to do is make it you know make the entry bar a little lower and just make things accessible to people such that they can be open to ex all kinds of experiences and i really view our role as kind of the tour guides as we're just facilitators for experiences that are already there but are difficult for people to find by themselves sure um, and, and it, it, it's it's nice to be able to kind of give that to people you know i think they definitely take a lot away from it and we sort of get our kicks by seeing it happen in, in real time you know, that's a really good reflection. I, I I very quickly thought back to the beginning of my travels and really lowering the entry bar or making, to put it another way, making it within your comfort zones, right? Having right. you there with people that um, know what they're doing or that have done it before, that really is a great way to, um, you know, to introduce people to traveling and also to running in different different cultures um, besides just the, you know, the international marathons and things like that, which are, of course, well organized in and of themselves. Um, so this is a totally different experience. Um, how would, would you say that, you know, that experience going to Patagonia, for example, um, is, is that kind of a, a once in a lifetime thing? Do people come back? Do they uh, stay involved somehow after their experience? 
I think with Patagonia, it's probably closer to once in a lifetime, given that it's a long way down and it's it's an expensive trip to get all the way down there. And once you're there, things are surprisingly expensive. So I think there's a cost barrier there to like, you know, regularly visiting Patagonia, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, you know, just, just from a pragmatic standpoint. But I think the other thing you realize when you're down there is just how absolutely vast it is. I mean, we have people there for, you know, a week to 10 days and we, and we just can only show them a little corner of it. So, hmm. you know, I, hopefully some people go back and realize that you probably need six months to a year to really probably see any sizable portion of Patagonia, just given the, the scale of the place. Um, but I, I think there's things from from the trips that I hope people take home. And, and you know, like we said, making things easier for people or maybe just making them realize that they can do things by themselves you know because in in one one sense one of the things we try to offer with the trips is especially one of our sort of more advanced trip if you want to put it that way is is our endurance adventure trip where we try to push people a little further we do kind of more complicated trails sometimes you're kind of self-navigating and you're up in the mountains could could be quite alone we we do one of those in morocco and one in ireland as well Hmm. Um, and and sort of the level of running is much higher and and we're trying to instill in people that there's kind of an element of running that's maybe a step beyond trail running which is kind of adventure running which is just get out in the landscape with a map and you know and, and try to understand okay, if I move through this valley, I need to get to that pass and what's going to be on the other side and just sort of getting that skill set and that acumen. I think anybody can do it. Like, you know, hmm. it's, it's any, anybody can learn that skill, but it's a long journey from doing your local five-mile loop around the park um, to being comfortable on your own in a foreign country in the mountains. But hopefully, you know, one of the things from our trips is that people can can get some of the skills to, to be able to do that. The transition into that, yeah, that's a great. Uh, I I hadn't thought about that. That's a great, um, a great caveat and a great you know entree to people that haven't done something like that before. The um, the endurance challenges, so they they take place in the same locations, Morocco and Ireland, but they're just a separate time or a separate group that goes out. I assume. Yeah, it's just another offering that we have, but they they cover similar areas. But you know, we'll, we'll instead of having run A, we'll have run B. Run B usually goes up a mountain, <laughs> and then we'll uh, we'll we'll usually don't offer options on that. You're sort of all in, whatever the distance is that day, whether it's twelve miles, fourteen miles. You're, you're all in, and and we kind of work more as as a group and just try to get through all, all the distance together. And then we also add in some little cultural challenges, okay. which try to better you know bring in some of the elements of the place that you're in so in in morocco one day we might be mixing uh you know mud bricks to understand about adobe construction you know and it's it's a short challenge half an hour 45 minutes just to understand okay that's where the mud comes from you use straw you mix it that's how they build casbahs you know and another day we'll have them carry a firewood bundle the last couple of miles of of their run so that we can heat our uh, uh, our, our jeep for that night you know so mm. little elements added into it which are fun we also do cooking and, and other stuff so they can bring you know maybe just more directly access the, sort of the, the the local experiences and in ireland they're they're similarly themed but a little bit different we, let's see how they like that at the end of a 12 mile yeah. run <laughs> exactly yeah it sometimes gets mixed responses in the moment but by the end of the week everybody's happy <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted to circle back around to Ireland uh, towards the end of our talk. So um, obviously, um, I know that we've talked off air. You are from uh, and live in the west coast of Ireland where, you know, the Atlantic kind of laps up against the land and you can feel it and everything you do. Um, I'm sure that running is 
just uh, amazing being there all the time. Uh, what what is your experience with the running community in Ireland, and and how how is your your perspective maybe changed now that you're leading uh, leading groups uh, a few times a year there? Yeah, I think the the running community in Ireland is still growing, still developing. I think it's probably quite a ways behind other countries. You know, definitely when I visit. Europe mainland, let's say, and you're in France or Austria or in around the Alps, you know, there's there's just a massive trail running community and people are out doing that day in, day out. In Ireland, we have some other challenges which are local in that there's not as much public land. A lot of stuff is privately owned and even the mountains, you know, there's sheep farmers that have sheep up there and you might be allowed access. You, you've got to be a little bit more intrepid to go and find your runs if you want to run on, on the West Coast because um, there's like you know, the, the, there's a short amount of, a very small amount of trails made, and those tend to have an awful lot of tourists on them. And if you want to get off the beaten track, you, you're pretty much running on open bog and mountain through the heather, self-navigating with no trail. Wow. So there's there's a pretty steep learning curve. Now, the people that are doing it, it's, it's a great community. There is a mountain running community here. So probably a lot like the fell running community in, in England. Okay. Um, and there's, you know, regional uh, leagues and championships with that. But it's it's not a large number of people. And, and then you sort of have the the, the road crew. Um, so it's it's still a, a definitely a growing thing. And, and there's huge potential definitely on, on the west coast of Ireland where I am here. There's been a, a launch of a campaign, the Wild Atlantic Way. That's our sort of tourism um, initiative that links together all the attractions of the West Coast. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, th- thousand kilometers of cliffs and beaches and mountains and all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, and at the minute, I think there's not a huge amount of running on offer, if, uh, but you just need to know where to look. You know, you need to be a little bit more inventive um, when you sort of look at the landscape and see where you're going to run. Um, so it's a it's a playground out there once once you once you figure it out but probably i'm sure there's tourists that come and don't quite find the right place to run we just haven't made made it um, accessible enough yet i would say sure and how where where is it that you normally take uh people that join for the for the rogue expedition uh in ireland so we do cover three counties galway clare and kerry um which is sort of the the heart the heart of irish tourism i would say you know we, we hit a lot of the sort of big attractions like Connemara and the Cliffs of Moher and um, the McGillicuddy Reeks, which are the, the mountains just outside uh, Killarney and Kerry, the Dingle Peninsula. So some of the amazing sites. And then given that I'm local and, and have a, an eye for this stuff, we, we try to find places that avoid where the tourists are. I mean, we most tourists coming to the west coast of Ireland are coming on a 50-seater coach and they're all dumped off at an attraction and they tend to be pretty busy. And when we try to find inventive ways to avoid the avoid the rest of the people and you can be just the next field over having the place all to yourself, uh, running along happily in, in with the sheep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have your own feet. You can get a little, you put a little distance between yourselves and the, and the tourist buses. Exactly. That That's the beauty of, of running tourism, right? It's, 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 it, it's everything that hiking tourists get, except you don't have a big pack on your back and you can move a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I, I think, um, you know, when I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you, but, uh, my first, trip abroad I I took a bike across Ireland and I obviously I didn't I didn't stick to the cities and I, I really enjoyed the countryside so I would love to come back sometime and, and run more um, so I look forward to that uh, absolutely be happy to happy to send you some trail recommendations thanks thanks a lot and uh, by the way uh, in the tune of recommendations um, I, I'll be posting a link on our podcast page to running expeditions YouTube page and website 
Um, are, are there any other places that, that you would recommend um, kind of kind of looking at or send people to that would be interested in, in rogue expeditions? Sorry, yeah, um, we have an Instagram, uh, Rogue Expeditions, and we're on Facebook as well, those two places. Okay, great, great. I'll definitely refer people there. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to, as, as we finish up here, um, ask you, this, this may be hard for you, being that you've done so much in organizing races and runs, uh, do you have a, a favorite that, that you've been to, you know, an organized race or run that you would recommend any running anthropologist to go to? Well, um, I think it, it is a tough question. It's almost impossible, but the one I always, and, and I'm asked this question a lot by, by clients on trips, the one I come back to always is uh, Nicaragua. Uh, it's where I sort of have the longest running connection with. I, I've spent cumulatively well over two years in the country uh, over the last few years. And um, there's a race down there called Fuego y Agua, um, so fire and water in, in, in Spanish. And I've been involved with that since 2012. Uh, it's we've had an off year just just gone by due to due to uh, political troubles in, in Nicaragua, but we're hoping to get up and running again next year with a with a 25k, a 50k, and 100k race on a volcanic island, uh, Isla Ometepe, in in the middle of Lake Nicaragua. And it's as good an event for bringing people together and experiencing an amazing place as, uh, as I've ever been a part of. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Please, I, I look forward to, you know, if that does happen, please share it with us and uh, see if we can't get a few more runners there. That, that sounds like a wonderful experience. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, uh, we're working on it and hopefully should be launching per- pretty soon. So, All right. Favorite meal after a long run? Favorite meal after a long run? There is a Moroccan dish um, called egg kefka. So it's meatballs um, with some eggs on top of it. You usually have it from really salty French fries. Um, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty, pretty baller. <laughs> Sounds good. And one word or phrase that would be really good for runners to know when they're when they're traveling to a place. Ooh, I would say be open to anything. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks so much. Um, uh, by the way, I I didn't ask you. Do you, Do you speak any Irish? Do you have a phrase that you can teach us in in Gaelic? Uh, yeah, my Gaelic is is pretty well forgotten. Let me think of a, a useful one. Um, uh, yeah, well, our our usual sort of tourism one is "Kied Mila Falcha," which is a hundred thousand welcomes. Literally, that's that's sort of the, the usually the welcome phrase that you get when you arrive here. All right, "Kied Mila Falcha." Wonderful. Yeah. They, thanks so much for sharing about your your work with Rogue Expeditions, and and also thanks for yeah thanks for introducing so many runners to such a great opportunity, discovering about the world and about themselves, and um, I know that it pays off a um, hundredfold. So thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Mark. Uh, keep keep up the good work with the podcast. It's a it's a cool idea. All right. Well, I look forward to meeting you soon on a run. Likewise. Take it easy. Take care. And happy running, Sean as well as the same to all of you. We're really grateful that you joined us for today's journey. It was a cool one. I learned a lot. And in the process, I hope that we had a chance to see how a small startup, you know, how a few people can go out there and just change the way that we see running in other places as true opportunities for learning, cultural exploration, and self-discovery. So, check out their website and their Facebook page. You can link to it from ours. And, of course... 
like us, send us a message on Facebook. If you have anything interesting in the culture of running, if you have in- anything interesting to share, to get out there, an icon, a mentor, a story, we'd love to hear it. Heck, maybe we could even make an episode out of it. So until next time, happy running. <laughs>